for music lessons. Jump on the handlebars. I'll give you a lift. Oh! It's unsafe to ride with someone on your handlebars. You might be right, Goliath. Oh! Okay. Just this once. Be careful, Davy. Welcome to Mantras Sermon Series, where we have covered topics submitted by people across the world on Facebook and via email, sharing the lines they hear said the most often at home, at church, at school, at work. A mantra is something that people say for empowerment or encouragement. It also can be a platitude. A platitude is a truism that may have a moral base to it, but it's said so much that it becomes annoying. Uh, Maybe you've heard the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And these platitudes often contradict each other. Maybe you've also heard, practice makes perfect. Or if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. (laughs) Today's platitude is everything happens for a reason. Who has said that or heard that said or heard me say it? Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for reasons of belief that sometimes causes encouragement. I mean, sometimes things do work out where it looked like, oh, divine providence guided this thing, put it all together. I remember hearing a story of something that happened in the late 19th century up in Minnesota where a tornado had wreaked havoc in a community. And an older doctor and his two sons came in and began to treat the patients and help their wounds heal and stitch up gashes and put splints on bones. They just kind of set up camp there for a season. It wasn't long till they got financial backing and they developed a clinic that today employs about 500 physicians, treat about 200,000 people a year. It's become a dominating industry in Rochester, Minnesota. Who's heard of the Mayo Clinic? Everything happens for a reason, but I think the clinic happened in spite of the reason. I want us to go deep today. I don't want us to go shallow. Maybe you've heard this said and it has irritated you. Maybe your wife left you. Everything happens for a reason. Well, you can take that one way or the other, right? Maybe you lost your health and you're battling for your life. Everything happens for a reason. That's not always encouraging. Someone who overcame cancer got so fed up with the bumper sticker quotes she heard that she formed a company that makes what she calls empathy cards. And this was one of her cards that I think relates to the sermon. Give this to someone who's suffering. Please let me be the first to punch the next person who tells you everything happens for a reason. I'm sorry you're going through this. (laughs) I liked it. Everything happens for a reason sometimes reinforces irresponsibility. 
Sometimes you may have problems just because you're a slob, like Snuffy Smith. The parson tells him, getting real spiritual, everything happens for a reason. We may not understand it, Snuffy. Snuffy says, thanks, parson. I'll be sure to tell Louise. She'll be happy to know. Bread falls butter side down because that's the Lord's plan. Everything happens for a reason can create fatalism where you just kind of give up. One person defines fate as being an invisible hand that seems to cause certain things to happen over which we have no control. It's just my destiny to be loser. Sometimes the reason is us. Everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reason is you're stupid and make bad decisions. Now, if someone is confessing their struggles, and they're saying everything happens for a reason to, to encourage themselves, don't shoot them down. But if they're struggling, don't tell them everything happens for a reason, because it could imply something that could hurt them and then be in worse shape than when you decided to encourage them. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes promotes people blaming God. He gets blamed for a lot of stuff. Thank God you're all right. God, yeah, let's thank God, shall we? For his blessings are raining down upon me. Wait, that's not rain! Bruce, please don't do that, honey. You know that everything happens for a reason. That I don't need. That is a cliche. That is not helpful to me. A bird in the hands were two in the bush. I have no bird. I have no bush. God has taken my bird in my bush. Oh, I see. So, so God is picking on you? Is that what you're saying? No, he's ignoring me completely. He's far too busy giving Evan everything he wants. Oh, that's great, Sam. But you missed your target. I'm over here! Get mad at the dog. It's not the dog's fault. No, it's God's fault. I gave him the wrong coordinates. All right, you are not being such a martyr? I am not being a martyr. I'm a victim. God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. This blaming God thing is really serious. Sometimes it may sound really spiritual at first. Well, I believe in the providential hand of the Almighty God who causes everything to happen just as He wills. Sounds really good until you begin to apply it to real life. And those that embrace that theology eventually will discourage everyone around them, if not themselves, and lose their faith and maybe even deny knowing the Lord. Meanwhile, their foundation has been faulty. Everything happens for a reason, can promote, that belief can promote shallow faith. Look at what someone has done to Romans 8.28. What kind of bumper sticker is that? It's all good, Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 does not say it's all good. What does it say? Well, thank you for asking. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. That's different than all things being good. All things are not good. 
but all things can work together for good. To those who love God, do I love God? Do we love God? Do you love God? What does it mean to love God? Obviously, if you love God, you'll sing with abandonment. You'll worship Him in private and in public. If you love Him. But it's more than that. Just like a husband that loves his wife will sing a love song to her if he can, or write a poem, or express his affection in some way. But loving your wife is a whole lot more than hugs. It's commitment when it's not easy. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Love is expressed by how we relate to his will, his desires. Keeping his commandments is more than, than obeying. It means to value, to take care of, to hold on to, to learn from if we love Him, is one of the conditions of this promise. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. It's important to know that this single promise is based upon two premises. Single promise, double premises. And they are loving God and being called. God's promises are conditional, and thank God it always starts with Him. He calls us first, and in responding to His call, we get to know Him, and we love Him. So those who love God are those who have been called by God. Those who love God respect His commands, His will, His word. But those who do that have been called by Him according to His purpose. He purposed to put you in such a place where you would respond to his call, to follow him and pursue his will. The Lord's calling you today. Are you answering? Think about it. work together, both good and bad, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Being called leads to being committed to God's purpose. His purpose initiates your call. He's calling you for a reason. And answering that call will lead you to love Him. His purpose. This text tells what his ultimate purpose is for us. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. So the Lord called you before you even existed. He foreknew you. And he predestined you to be conformed. To what? To the image of his Son. To be made like Christ. For Christ to be formed in you and you to be pressed into Christ. Everything in our life, if we'll love Him, will be used for this purpose, to make us like Christ, so that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. When people see us, one day they'll see the family resemblance between us 
and our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything happens for a reason, and often everything happens for reasons, plural. And those reasons are not always good, nor is God the cause of them all. Yet he can take our mess, if we'll pursue him, and do such a job with those things, make it look like he willed it. In spite of us, not because of us. Everything happens for reasons that are not always good or God, but he will work it all together for the good of making those who love him into being more like Christ. He takes the good, the bad, the self-inflicted. A lot of things in our life we've done to ourselves, sin. Other things in our life others have done to us, sinning against us. Other things that have happened is because we live in a sinful, fallen world. Going all the way back to the fall of Adam. Our great-grandfather. Yet God can take all that, good and bad, and use it for His purposes to make us like His Son. Christ experienced the worst. And out of that, it worked together for the good of bringing out the best. The redemption of the world was worth paying. Any mamas in the house? All that you went through, from conception to birthing, nine months to medical care and to the need for medical care, and the lack thereof and the abundance thereof, all that you went through, brings forth new life. And I've never heard a responsible mother who spoke all the time about her pregnancy when she had the baby with her. It's like a new day. It all worked together to bring forth this child. The joy of a pastor is marrying, doing wedding ceremonies for brides and grooms, becoming husbands and wives. The whole family's there. And I don't hear responsible parents say, you don't know what I went through to get to this day. This child put me through the ringer. No, it all worked together in spite of the mess to create the message. The context of our text today really just rings in my heart today, verse 18 of Romans 8 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Maybe you're in such a struggle if someone told you everything happens for a reason, it would really annoy you. But let me tell you, your story's not over. The struggle that you're in, one day will pale in light of the glory that is approaching you, that you are approaching. For the earnest expectation, verse 19, of the creation, this involves everything, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Everything, everything is devoted to the purpose 
of us becoming like Christ. The manifestation of the sons of God. Christ being formed in us. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God allowed a fallen world to exist so that we might come to a place of hope. If God hopes, he hopes for people to respond to his call. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Some folks believe the new earth is actually the renewing of the old earth. I don't want to get into that debate, but the point is, as the sons of God are manifested on that glorious day when the trumpet sounds, there's going to be transformation everywhere. Talking about the second coming. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. What's going on in the world? Storms in Washington. Storms in the Caribbean. Birth pangs. Earthquakes. Sinkholes. Global warming. Social chaos. Legal frustrations. Everything's been subjected to futility. All is futile, Captain. So the man will turn to God. Allow Christ to be formed in them. Verse 23, not only that, we also know that the first fruits of, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So creation is groaning for that day, and we are groaning for that day. The older we get, the more we groan. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So even God is groaning. For that day. Creation, us and the Lord. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So be encouraged. No matter what you're going through, the Spirit is praying for you. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Standing in our place, praying for us, rooting for us. And we know. How many is glad to be part of the We Know Club? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. First comes the Lord's choice, then comes the calling. We respond to the call, we receive justification, our sins are dealt with. They've already been dealt with, but we receive the benefits of that. And glorification is coming. What shall we say then, verse 31, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
You make me brave. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? Or blood moon? Or blue moon? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. The scriptures acknowledge there's suffering in this life. There just is. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our God is so awesome that he has no opposites. The opposite of light is dark. opposite of cold is hot. The opposite of God is not the devil. No one. He's an awesome, almighty God. And he is on your side. He is the El Elyon, the Most High God. There's no high like the Most High. Are you saying your God can whip my God? I'm saying there's not even a contest. Oh, pastor. This went around the country back in the 70s. There are covens assigning people to go to churches and cast spells on people. Oh, we got to... Fast and pray and come against that. We got I mean, they're going to come into churches and sow discord. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. If you're in a covenant and you've been assigned to come here and bring troubles, God loves you. The enemy's going to overplay his hand and you're going to get to hear the gospel. God loved us so much that he sent his son and allowed something horrible to happen to him. Crucifixion on the cross. To demonstrate his power over death three days later, arising from the dead, marking history permanently. It's 2015. No one can change that. They can change A.D. to C.E. or B.C.E. But it's etched in history permanently. And it does not mean after death. Anno Domino means the reign of the Lord. Domino... Is, or the time of the Lord's reign. Domino means lordship, dominate, to rule. Anno related to the word annual, the year of the Lord, the time of the Lord. That's from the life of Christ till now is 2,015 years. Why? He's still alive. He still reigns. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, we know that everything happens for reasons that aren't good. 
and some reasons that are good, and we thank you, Lord, in your mercy. Sometimes things work out for good. But, Lord, those who love you, everything works together for good. And we thank you, Lord, for that promise. We thank you, Lord, that you're turning our awfulness into understanding of your awesomeness, our tests into testimonies, our messes into messages. I pray, Lord, for those who are hurting today and this sermon has encouraged them a little bit. I pray, God, that they would press into you and begin to pray and allow you to pray through them and dig into your word and get away from bumper sticker platitudes and hold on to your promises the way they were written, the way they were intended. In Jesus' name, make us all people of the scriptures, people of prayer, and people of fellowship. I pray, Lord, for every person here that you would draw them into a closer relationship with you and with your people and with your principles. Thank you, Lord. Here's my closing challenge. And this is to those of us here that are hurting bad. I mean, there's some stuff going on that those closest to you know or maybe nobody knows. What are you going to do? I want to encourage you to trust God. Trust Him. Trust Him. Let Him cast your cares on Him. Let Him do the worry. Trust Him enough to tell Him, God, I'm going to trust You. Everything happens for a reason. No, you were stupid and made bad decisions. That was us. Have a seat a minute. I want to just 
share this with you. And it may be somebody that's actually going through this today. I don't know. So I was 18 when I met Alan. And he was really hot. He looked like Donnie Osmond and Patrick Duffy from Dallas, all wrapped up in one. Wow. All right. What happened? Okay. What happened? Now he looks like Tony Soprano. That's what we've been told. We've been told that twice. That, that's not good. Anyway, so um, there's this hot American that comes into my life, and I am a Christian. My parents are not Christians. They're good business people. So I wasn't raised with biblical principle. Just remember who you are when you walk out the door. That's all I knew. Remember who you represent. That's all I knew. So when this hot-blooded American came into my life and I fell in love with him, well, all I wanted to do was give everything to him. Oops. <laughs> I mean everything. Yeah. So... By the t- time I was 19, it was just before I turned 19, we found out I was pregnant with our little girl, Summer Joy. And it was a very scary time. So this song is very applicable to our lives. Feeling alone, scared. He comes from a Christian home, missionaries. No, no. I mean, he already knew he had a call on his life. I didn't know. I had a call to the ministry. I just knew at this point in my life I had messed up. That's what I knew. And I, my dad wanted me to have an abortion. And abortions were not um, legal in my country at the time. I'm from Africa in case you don't know that. And my doctor said that they could have me on a plane to London in 24 hours and have an abortion be back by Monday morning. And I could go on with my life and no one would ever know the difference. And my, I told my Alan that at the time, and he was just terrified. And he's like, we do not believe in abortion. We cannot do this. We, we love each other, and yes, we were lustful, and we created this baby. But this baby would have come sooner or later because we did plan on getting married. The baby came sooner than later. So we went to our dad and said, hey, this is just not an option. We're going to get married. I'm going to do right by your wife, by, my, by your daughter. I'm going to take care of her. And so with those consequences that happened, I had to leave my country. First time to ever leave home. Left at the age of 19 to come to America with a baby in my tummy. Scared out of my mind, not knowing what the future held. And all I can tell you is we did put our trust in God. And he turned our mess into a message. And our daughter today is a voice for the unborn. She's a doctor today and delivers babies. And she has traveled the world and and ministered to third world countries, sharing how to keep infant mortality rate down. She could have been a statistic. For those of you who might have experienced that, please know that there is grace on your life. And you'll see that baby again. And for those of you who have experienced what I've experienced, know that there's grace there and there's forgiveness there. And that God turns a mess into a message. And I have to believe that when it says in Romans 8.28, 
that all things work together for good to those who are the called, who have a, and God has a plan and a purpose. A purpose for Alan's life and a purpose for my life did not change when we got pregnant. It changed our circumstances. But God's plan and purpose still remained in our life. And because we put our trust in Him, it came full circle. And here we are. Can we stand again and sing this song? And can the prayer team join me across the front here? And uh, as you're coming forward, anyone wanting to receive prayer, come on up. One of these people will pray a prayer of agreement with you. It could be related to the message, maybe something completely.